I welcome you to this night of worship, this Good Friday. Last night, we were together at the communion table where we celebrated Jesus' last meal with his disciples and friends. And from there, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and thus starts the final hours of Jesus' earthly life as he heads toward the cross of crucifixion and death. So I thank you for being here tonight. Tonight is a hard service, but we are together, united in God's Holy Spirit. Let us worship God. Today, God makes common case with our human suffering. We read the scriptures, sing the hymns, feel the feelings of the day Christ died. Suffering is not rational. It has no answer. But in the cross, God meets us in our suffering. From this day forward, we know that there is nowhere we can go where God is not with us. God, into your hands we commend our spirits.
please join us in prayer for our world. This will be a bidding prayer. Danny and I will say some beginning words and leave a time of silence for you to pray the prayers of your heart. Let us pray. Redeeming God, we cry out to you for the suffering of the world. We pray for the church, both near and far, that we may always be on the side of the oppressed and not the oppressors. We pray for the gift of faith, that we may put our trust in you, even in times of suffering. And so we pray for those who suffer, that they may feel your presence with them. We pray for the Mary Magdalene's and the Joseph of Arimathea's of this world who care for those who struggle and for those who are dying, that through us you may strengthen them in their service. We pray for all who wrestle with their faith, struggling to know if you are with them, that your face will not be hidden from them. We pray for all the families and all the nations of the earth, that they shall remember and turn toward you and find peace. All these things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who knows our suffering and holds us still. Amen. Tonight's reading will be from Luke 22:39 through all of chapter 23. I invite you to place yourself in the story as we walk with Christ. Listen for the word of the Lord. He came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. 
Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. While he was still speaking, suddenly a crowd came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, is it with a kiss that you are betraying the Son of Man? When those who were around him saw what was coming, they asked, Lord, should we strike with the sword? Then one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, No more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple police, and the elders who had come for him, Have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a bandit? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. But Peter was following at a distance. When they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him in the firelight, stared at him and said, This man also was with him. But when he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else on seeing him said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then, about an hour later, Still another kept insisting, Surely this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. At that moment, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus began to mock him and beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, Prophecy, who is it that struck you? They kept heaping many other insults on him. When the day came, the assembly of elders of the people, both chief priests and scribes, gathered together, and they brought him to their council. They said, If you are the Messiah, tell us. He replied, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I question you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. 
All of them asked, Are you then the Son of God? He said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Then the assembly rose as a body and brought Jesus before Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this man perverting our nation, forbidding us to pay taxes to the emperor, and saying that he himself is the Messiah, a king. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered, You say so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no basis for an accusation against this man. But they were insistent and said, He stirs up the people by teaching throughout all Judea from Galilee, where he began, even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him off to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had been wanting to see him for a long time, because he had heard about him and was hoping to see him perform some sign. He questioned him at some length, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. Even Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then he put an elegant robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. That same day, Herod and Pilate became friends with each other. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate then called together the chief priests, the leaders of the people, and said to them, You brought me this man who was perverting the people, and here I have examined him in your presence, and I have not found this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. Indeed, he has done nothing to deserve death. I will therefore have him flogged and release him. Then they all shouted out together, Away with this fellow! Release Barabbas for us! This was a man who had been put in prison for insurrection that had taken place in the city and for murder. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again. But they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no ground for the sentence of death. I will therefore have him flogged and then release him. But they kept urgently demanding with loud shouts that he be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate gave his verdict that their demand should be granted. He released the man they asked for, the one who had been put in prison for insurrection and murder, and he handed Jesus over as they wished. 
As they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country, and they laid the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A great number of the people followed him, and among them were the women who were beating their breasts and wailing for him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are surely coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do this when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing, and the people stood by watching. But the leader scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly this man was innocent. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for the spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home, beating their breasts. But all his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph, 
who, though a member of the council, had not agreed to their plan and action. He came from the Jewish town of Arimathea, and he was waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in a linen cloth, and laid it in a rock-hewn tomb where no one had ever been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed, and they saw the tomb and how the body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath day, they rested according to the commandment. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So tonight, wrongly called Good Friday, is that night that Christ was born to fulfill. So much of what we believe in our Christian journey is this journey of Christ to the cross, his crucifixion and his death. Friends, hear me when I say this is not the doings of a bloodthirsty God, but rather a God who is giving his very self to all of us to this earth as a gift, a gift of love and grace and light. As you heard through the telling of the story, you followed Jesus through the events of his false betrayal, his false arrest, his encounters with Pilate and with Herod, with the scribes, with the chief priests, with soldiers, all of them deriding him all of them questioning him, making fun of him, beating him. Every step of this journey, Jesus continues to be beaten, physically, emotionally, and even spiritually. The disciples turn from him as Peter did. Some thinking in that is that they may have thought that the Messiah can't be crucified, so this must not be the Messiah. Maybe all those things that we saw and witnessed were just tricks and really weren't the truth. But we've always anticipated the Messiah, one of power and strength that would free us, Israel, from our oppressors. This is not that. And so when Jesus is crucified, it may very well be that those disciples thought to themselves that this can't be who we thought it was. And broken, left. So Jesus is there to face this end relatively alone, knowing his mission. This mission that started from the day he was born. It was only a few months ago we celebrated Christmas. 
the joy, the Advent wreath, the candles of hope, joy, peace, and love. The very day that Jesus was born was leading to this night and the morning three days later. From that first morning that he was born, he was a threat to the powers that be. He was already starting even as an infant to change the world in his amazing life incarnate, God with us. One of the things that we take from this crucifixion is that Christ being fully human in this moment knows what it's like to be in pain. He knows what it's like for those whom he loves to turn on him. He knows what it's like to be bullied, to be beaten, to be made fun of, to be left alone in the pain of his own misery. So as we encounter any parts of that in our life's journey, for the fear that may hold us in this COVID-19 season, Christ knows what that's like. For the times in our life when we too have been beaten mentally, physically, spiritually, Christ knows what that's like. For those times when we suffer, when we are sick, when we are angry, and we feel like we have been left alone in the dark with our fear, Christ knows what that's like. So that when we pray to him, we know it's not just an empty lofting into the air of our requests, but rather one who has suffered far worse than most of us. It is as one who understood his calling to come to give his life in love so that we can be reconciled to God through him. He did this for us, for you and for me, he could have stopped this at any point in this journey. He could have said to God, you know what, Lord, how about we bargain a little bit? How about you give me three more years? Look at what we've done since I've started my ministry. What could three more do? Let's get a better foundation of followers and then I'll be ready. But no, even questioning at the garden in his prayer Father, take this cup from me, but yet not my will, but yours. One of the hardest prayers that we pray as human beings. Lord, not my will, but yours. Jesus was saying, if there's any other way for this to happen, I would prefer that. But what's more important to me, great God, is your will and I will follow. So tonight as we come into this solemn and awful service, a service in which we know that God is present and yet we walk with Christ to the foot of the cross. We are able to lift up all of those fears, all of that darkness. 
He takes all of that on himself so we can be free of it. So we can be given new life. This time of darkness and fear, while it is valid and doesn't just evaporate and go away, we know that what's bigger than that darkness and fear is the Savior who gave himself on the cross, who took all of the darkness, all of the fear, all of that hatred and violence on himself so that we could be freed. So know that, friends, in this difficult time of light and darkness, that the light will always prevail. That Christ came and suffered as he did so that he could be raised and us with him. And so that when we find ourselves in moments of darkness and fear, we know we are not alone. For our King of Kings is with us, our Savior, our Messiah, our Christ is here in our hearts, in our lives, in our houses of worship, in our communities, and in the world. And nothing, nothing that we do can separate us from his love. So know on this dark night that Christ has given everything so that all of us may be able to fully embrace, accept, inherit, believe his grace, his truth, and his light. Hallelujah. Amen.
And they thought they could extinguish his light. 